Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 95 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today we're going to continue our conversation about different formats of the relationship that people are practicing. Last week, we talked about swinging, and this week we're talking about consensual non-monogamous relationships. Uh, So we talked about this topic with Robert Candle on episode 70. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, I'll leave the link in the show notes to that episode. It was a wonderful episode. Robert is the co-founder of Orgasmic Meditation and has been practicing this for years. And one of the feedback that I got from you guys was that, okay, great, he's doing it, but he's a relationship coach. It seems like he's He has been living this lifestyle for a while and how we can apply it. And you guys wanted to know how it is for people that are not necessarily in the mental health field or coaching field and whether they're successfully navigating this open relationships or not. So that's why I thought it would be wonderful to have uh, Chris and Jordan on our show today. It's funny how I met them. So every year I go to San Diego Comic Con and I love the convention. I like the place that you can check out the books. They have lots of tons of fun stuff going on. I love comics, but I'm not necessarily very kind of passionate about the like what's the best new game or what's the best new book in the comic world. So I was walking in the book area and interestingly I saw this boot that there was this a wizard looking guy was wearing this like very tight 
clothing, I guess bodysuit, you can call it. And I was wearing the wizard hat and all of it. And I went into the booth and I met Chris and Jordan. And to my surprise, it was definitely something I was interested in. Their book is called E is for Erotica. And it's an alphabet A to Z book. And for each alphabet, they talk about one kink or something sexual or an erotic and illustration is great the uh, wording was hilarious so i highly recommend you guys to check it out in this episode we're going to talk about their experience of writing this book and chris chris's experience of being in a open relationship and deciding this is not working for me and jordan's experience of kind of starting and continue to being in a relationship that he can uh, he identifies as consensual non-monogamous a little bit about their bio is chris uh, his a pen a name is fc brandon is an award-winning multimedia artist and works as professional illustrator his film and video productions have been featured on independent film channel in san jose museum of art the cartoon art museum and in universities around the world. FC holds a BFA from UC Santa Cruz and is a member of the Art Directors Guild. And Jordan Rowland is a Southern California native who made a living as a poker player, stuntman, actor, and trained as a magician before finding his place as a writer. His children's movie, Rescue Dogs, opened in theater nationwide in 2016. He is the author of the novel Monsters of the Apocalypse and the comedy alphabet book E is for Erotica. His free time is spent fly fishing, volunteering with his favorite charities and getting yelled at by two demanding cats. Before we dive into our conversation with Chris and Jordan, I also wanted to remind you guys that we recently, I recently expanded my practice and hired very highly, two very highly uh, skilled and effective therapists. So now we're able to offer you guys a more broader range as far as the fees. Uh, so if you are thinking about getting individual therapy, couples therapy, you're welcome to come into our offices or we can do video counseling. If you want to book an appointment and kind of talk to one of our therapists for a free consultation, you can call us at 310-600-9912. And I also uh, leave a link to our schedule, like a calendar that you can book your appointment there. And the show notes, here's my conversation with Chris and Jordan. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have Jordan and Chris on our show today. Jordan and Chris, welcome to our show. All Thank right. You. Hello. So it's it's funny we're laughing because we were twenty minutes <laughs> into a, a like deep conversation about their book, their experiences, and I was like, oh my god, why the 
red light is not on. <laughs> yeah, so, and, so if, it, if it's really bad from here on out, just trust us. The first 20 minutes were dynamite. No, it was great. It was great. And I was just like, okay, what should I do? Should I pretend it's recording? <laughs> Thank you guys for willingness to restart. So, I'm always glad for a second chance to right. uh, right. try things. So. Thank you so much for giving me a second yeah, chance. For sure, for sure. So as I was sharing with you guys in the introduction that I got their book, E is for Erotica and Comic-Con, and it's full of great and fun content and illustration is great. So that's why I'm excited to talk about it today. So tell us a little bit about the book for our listeners. So for, for those of them that they're not familiar with what's inside it. For sure. Uh, it's called E is for Erotica and it's a alphabet book for adults. So kind of travel through an erotic alphabet and you explore various uh, things that you might want to try or not, you know, so you have B is for bondage and, and E is for erotica and things like that. Uh, uh, I don't want to give them all away. Yeah. Dr. Seuss for adults is, is how yeah. we, uh, how we sell it. But yeah, it's a really fun book and uh, yeah, I, I, it's a, it's an idea I came up with. I'm a writer and I always have ideas passing through and the, the idea for a, sort of body alphabet book really appealed to me and Chris is a phenomenal artist but most importantly as a person I just thought you know I, I feel like this is an artist I can go to with this idea and he would be into it and he was and so yeah that's how it kind of came to be it's the creation story yeah I still think it's funny that you you kind of pinpointed that it would be something I might be interested in <laughs> yeah. You know, that is, an that is an interesting aspect. I, you know, I think there is an element of, you know, recognizing uh, open-mindedness that, that just sort of happens. And the fact that you went to UC Santa Cruz, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. And my brother is a banana slug. And uh, I don't think you go to UC Santa Cruz without, um, especially if you were a porter, without yeah. you know, learning a thing or two and having a pretty open mind. I didn't know what is, so I went to UCSD, so I'm kind of curious, what is the reputation of UC Santa Cruz? <laughs> oh, man. Santa I'm going to give that to you, Chris. Yeah, you, you, they, their top two degrees are basket weaving and uh, <laughs> marijuana cultivation, I think. Nice, nice. Yeah, pick, I, I missed can, out. You can pick your own major there. Um, you can create your own major. It's a school where if, you, if that major doesn't exist, you can actually create your own. <laughs> so uh, is that true yeah. or are you just making it up i don't know if that's still the case but that was that was definitely the uh how it began was yeah, the, yeah. No that was definitely the case in 2000 when last when my brother okay. graduated from there he had a he had his best friend graduated in i'm not going to remember what it but it was a completely created self-created major yeah um, it's it's based on kind of self-directed the idea of self-directed study but that they've They've gone mainstream for the most part, I think, but that they, they still allow that sort of thing. It's a great school. Uh, yes, of course. And also I was thinking about the, just back to the alphabet part. You're right. Part of it, it's more common, commonly known kind of thing that's on top of most people's mind. And there's sure. some of them that are more like edgier, more kind of unique and kinkier. So I'm kind of curious, how did you guys come up with more like lesser known letters? Well, you know, I, I am proud to say that me and Chris had a lot of letters just stored up. We had a lot of ideas. So <laughs> yeah, we, we had got around a bit. But, um, you know, there was some Googling that went on. There was some research that went on, which was the best research I've ever had to do for a job. But, you know, like it, we, there was some negotiations. So there would be certain letters where there'd be 
a lot of things we both thought up and we kind of talk it over, which was the funnest for me to write for the funnest for him to illustrate. We really collaborated on that. And then there were things like I had no idea for X, you know, I was just like, and then X and Chris just immediately was able to say off the top of his head as xenophilia, which is abduction alien fetish. Yeah. I've been carrying that word around with me for 30 years. (laughs) He was just, he's been away. This was the project that he got to use it. Right. But yeah, you know, there was some that were researching, but most of it was, um, there was actually an abundance of uh, more than a lack thereof, for the most part, where we'd have to pick the one. You know, I, I'm a, there are some letters that I wrote maybe three or four different mm-hmm. poems for, and then we kind of went through them and figured out which was funnier and which would be better to illustrate. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, not having, like, we'd messed around with having H for hen, hentai for H. But we had we had another Japanese related letter, and didn't we we, were, we didn't want to double up too much in mm-hmm. terms of the thematic elements of each letter. We try to do a delicate balance of you know things people knew about, things people didn't know about, things that people would relate to, things that would kind of surprise people. And we wanted a nice even response. I wanted every page for them to turn and it to be different than the last page. You know. And I think you guys did a great job with that because again, I'm a sex therapist and at times I see like some of those kind of items are lesser, even lesser known to me. And the, the writing and illustration was just so, so fun and creative, which I thought was great. And also I love the fact that you guys had why for yes. And I think it's yeah. just to have, you guys have this kind of playful component, but also a kind of more informational component to the book as well. Yeah, we both felt pretty, you know, that there was, this book was never going to work if it wasn't done from a perspective of some degree of responsibility, because that is a part of any sort of sexually exploitive thing is, you know, if you're doing it with a partner, there needs to be consent and conversation and all of that. So why is for yes made a lot of sense because it allowed us to do an entire page about consent and like all of these things that lead to it, because that's you know, if not the most important, yeah, that's probably the most important part to any activity you take on sexually. So yeah, that was, we did put thought into that sort of thing, but we're able to do it, I think, successfully in a, you know, in still a fun way and stuff. There's no lecturing of this book. There's no judgment or any of that. It's all just very, uh, you know, give it around, give it, give it a try. Yeah. Here, here's a word and let's play around with it. Yeah. Let's have fun with it. Other conversation that we had that I thought was very interesting that we were talking about the the narrative, the writing, and also the book and the diversity in it. Even on the cover, I can see like ethnic diverse people and with different ages, which I really appreciate. That's not the case necessarily with all sorts of comic and any kind of like not necessarily something that is on top of people's minds. So I appreciate that. It seems like you guys made this conscious effort to portray diverse features and diverse drawing and writings. I mean, I think, I think that, you know, from the writer's perspective, I wrote a lot of the time from a sort of neutral point, because as a writer, you don't, you know, I'm, I'm writing on the, the activity more. So Chris kind of became the one who was representing these things. But, you know, I felt like, I feel like at this point, particularly if you live in LA, which is a very diverse place, it almost would be more work not to represent that. I mean, you'd have to be rejecting the world you see around you. You know, you, if you're going to represent the world around you, your art's going to come out pretty diverse, it seems to me. Yeah. And just making sure that 
I wanted to appeal to everybody. And again, uh, having gone to UC Santa Cruz and having lived in a lot of different big cities, just knowing that, you know, it's not all, it's not all one, one small culture where we really are a multicultural country and wor- world really. I, I, I really, yeah, I Chris really is an international guy. Anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Chris, like, did you know, he he spent a lot of his childhood not in America. So he's definitely always had, when we talked, a, a, a world view, um, which I've always appreciated. And I was sharing with you guys about how when I initially was going through the book, I, I saw mostly heterosexual couples doing heterosexual behaviors. And I'm kind of curious about your response because I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you want to start out with this, Chris? Yeah. Or do you want me oh, to open up? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I guess, like. Jordan yeah. said he started from more of the uh, the neutral perspective, and so um, it was left to me to kind of, for the most part, interpret who is going to be depicted displaying these interactions. Oh, that's another one: the interaction with the doctor. So, oh, interesting, uh, in right? Terms, yeah, in terms of in terms of deciding um, to depict heterosexual versus homosexual interactions and relationships, it was. I, I think homosexuals tend to be more, I, don't, I feel kind of weird. It almost feels like even using the term homosexual instead of gay is almost feels like a slur, but I'm just trying to be correct in my <laughs> language, <laughs> linguistically uh, correct. Uh, the homosexual community tends to, is a lot more accepting of kind of all sexual behaviors and, and um, displays. And whereas in appealing to some of the more closed-minded heterosexual people they might be open to a book like this if it's not having homosexuality thrown in their face uh, along with all of the other along with all the other fetishes and and uh kind of sexual proclivities that they're being exposed to i actually had a funny it was it was at comic con i had a discussion with a gentleman uh who was a, a gay man and, and you know probably about his 50s and he'd read the book and he really liked it and he asked me he said you know i'm surprised that H isn't for homosexual or G isn't for gay. Like you didn't do that. And I said, well, no, because this is about, you know, the sexual fringe, you know, this is about bondage and, and these things. And to, you know, that's, you know, and he's, he's, and he kind of smiled and he said, Oh, so you don't think there's anything fringe or ed- edgy about that? And he's like, I, I guess that's kind of great. He's like, but it makes me feel less edgy. And I said, I, yeah, I know the feeling, man. You think you're like edgy. And then it turns out that like, <laughs> no, you're exactly the same as everybody. I, I have that all the time where I think I'm really edgy and cool. And then I meet someone 23 who's like, really? Yeah, that's, I just completely accept that as completely commonplace. And I go, oh. So he was actually amused. He said, you know, it was like a, an omission based on acceptance that he found really rewarding and kind of like an achievement that yeah. uh, unexpected that whereas even when I was a kid, you know, a kid that may have been considered, you know, on the fringe to be in an openly gay relationship. And now it wouldn't even register. It would be the most <laughs> mundane page because, you know, love is love. And I think we all know that. I think that's just the thing. So I guess it's kind of a, a nice thing statement to the way things are these days, in my opinion, that uh, it didn't even pop into our mind to put that as like an edgy thing. Uh, right. I will say that in the orgy sequence and in the necrophilia one, there, there, there is some images in here that are uh, same-sex ones, uh, and there's, there's a dinosaur at one point, and I don't know where, where that dinosaur <laughs> is. I think it's a female dinosaur. There we go, so then that would be <laughs> 
yeah that could that could be <laughs> yeah actually now that i think about it if anything there's a there's a lack of lesbian relationships maybe in the book more than male homosexual relationships that's there's there's a term for two women that are uh, are into each other is lesbian but is there a term for two men specifically okay okay that's the g lgbt uh, yeah yeah no, but I, I agree with you. And I think it's just a matter of what lens you're looking at because you're you're right. You have a page on orgy and I didn't even think about it. Okay. So there are like lots of people going on in right. that page. There are lots going on. So I didn't think about it. But And I appreciate that you didn't put a page as because it's part of the things are like kind of portraying kinks, some of the right. kinkier things yeah. and kind of portraying it as a like not including same-sex relationship, same-sex kind of homosexual relationship as a way to kind of, oh, look at this, kind of putting it on display as something odd. So I appreciate that you guys kind of were thoughtful about what, what you chose and what you put into the book. Yeah, so I'll definitely encourage people to, to look at the book, purchase the book. We, sh- we make sure that I put a, a link to the where to purchase the book in the show notes. But I also wanted to check in with you guys about something else. Yeah. about the relationship. So, you know, one one of the things that come up in my practice is like people being in different relationship formats or different relationship mm-hmm. dynamic. Many people are monogamous, but many of my clients are exploring non-monogamy. And uh, we had guests in the past, they're psychologists, therapists, they're leaving a non-monogamous relationship themselves. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned that uh, you guys had experiences with that. So I'm kind of curious to hear your stories because I cannot tell, my, obviously, my clients' stories. But I'm kind of curious, how did you guys kind of arrive to the kind of solution of thinking, okay, this, this might work for me? Yeah, well, I mean, that, that ties in directly to my story. I mean, that's the thing is, uh, you know, I, I am currently in, a, in an open relationship and, and that's like the edgiest thing about me. And then every time I meet someone in their 20s, they're like, that's not edgy. And I'm like, oh, come on. It was the one thing I had. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, actually it's funny cause this book ties into it. My partner and I have been together for, oh, coming up on two years. And this book was in its early stages. There was an early copy of this book, a galley, uh, wasn't even the same writing drawing, but I had an early copy of it sitting on my living room table when she first came over to my house and she saw that this book, she saw E is for erotica sitting there and she was like, what, what's that? And I was like, oh uh yeah that's a thing i wrote (laughs) and it was like very early on we you know didn't know each other i was like feel free to look at it i mean i guess this conversation's gonna happen anyways (laughs) and she was reading through it and she was like this is awesome i love this this is super and i was like okay so we actually like it it was a great conversation talk uh starter for like our mindsets uh about experimentation and and all of those things and just talking about sex so i book is a great conversation starter for that but i guess yeah. to that about that is you know usually people have kind of thought about being a non-monogamous relationship for a while and they negotiated was yeah. this the first kind of like non-monogamous relationship you had is that something that intentionally you kind of this, arrived to this was the first consciously uh <laughs> non-monogamous i i think i was <laughs> okay. in before i just don't think she let me know until the end uh, <laughs> sorry but, about that. No, uh, yeah, you know, this was a a gradual decision that we got into based on 
it's always tricky when your partner is not there. I guess we, you, you can have both of us on. We can really talk into detail about it. But um, yeah, there's a lot of communication about it. But basically, it started from a point of, well, you know, this is what I want. This is why we started talking about what we wanted. And the open relationship sort of made sense. It fit that sort of context. But one of the great things about being in an open relationship I've found is that because it is, I guess, like non-traditional, a lot of the stigmas and rules that people are have pounded into this kid aren't there. So we've really gotten to build the relationship uniquely to our own interests and our own wants and desires in a very respectful, very open sort of way. But it's my first open relationship. And for me, I was always, uh, jealousy was always kind of an issue for me in a monogamous relationship. And the I, I never occurred to me that a lot of my insecurities came from the fact that in a monogamous relationship, I felt that the girl I was with sort of had to be with me. You know, it was like I was the, if she wanted to have sex or spend time with a man, like we were kind of contractually obliged for lack of another term. But when we, this open relationship, what I've found is because she can be with anyone she wants to be with, because I can be with any woman I want to be with or man, I want to be with or anyone I want to be with when we're together, it is a choice. That's a romantic gesture in itself just to be with each other because there is this option. And I actually found it was a big self-esteem boost and like calmed me down a lot, surprisingly. That's my experience. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And jealousy to the point of jealousy, that's number one concern that I hear from my clients that they're kind of curious about opening up the relationship. They say, you know, I'm worried about what would I do with my jealousy? And I like that you're talking about your partner choosing you every single time because there is not necessarily this expectation that if you're having sex, you're going to only have sex with me. But I think it requires lots of clear communications around boundaries. Mm -hmm. That is definitely, it does. You know, I think to some degree, because it is, it demands you have this, a bunch of communication openness to uh, make it work that frankly, that same conversation and openness and discussion probably would be just as helpful in a monogamous relationship. It just sort of yeah. is not discussed as much. I think in most monogamous relationships I've been in, we weren't, we didn't discuss these things as much as we should have either. So I think the discussion is that being in an open relationship has and uh, um, inspires is just healthy for a relationship in general. Yeah. In in uh, in monogamous relationships, it seems that like the expectations are—I uh, can't think of another word. So the expectations are expected to go unspoken, like they 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 are assumed to be. Yeah, it's a, it's a, assumed, it's a one size fits all sort of thing that we're all supposed to kind of follow. Yeah, and uh, I've been in uh, actually haven't done a full count, but I th- at least three. <laughs> three uh, non-monogamous relationships and um, they all fell apart because of lack of, because of communication breakdowns. And yeah, there's really two sides to it too. You know, you're either, you know, you can be emotionally monogamous and, and uh, sexually monogamous. I mean, there, there's different levels of intimacy and monogamy that you can have where you have to discuss, you know, I, I know people who are in open relationships, you know, some people, the emotional monogamy that like I'm the only person you come to to really like talk and spend time with 
is very key. And some people, you know, this, you know, so you're sexually free, but you're, you know, supposed to be emotionally, you know, there's a lot of different variations and shades of gray, even within the definition of an open relationship. Well, yeah, because I mean, even a lot of monogamous relationships over the years have actually been, you know, traditionally men kind of cheating on the women, right? And I think so. that's a that's a fair point. And um, women, uh, the same with women as well. But you're right. Like, you know, at least what you hear is we all get exposed at men kind of cheating and more traditional kind mm-hmm. of relationship dynamic. And and I agree with, with, with all of those points in a sense that, yes, in couple like heterosexual couples or couples in a monogamous relationship, whether a member of LGBTQ or people who identify heterosexual, the issue is most people don't, they don't talk about their fidelity agreement, talking mm-hmm. about what is okay and what is not okay. They right. have some kind of assumptions about what would the partner might assume it's okay. And many times in my office that I see like, you know, the one of the partner having this strong reaction because right. they, re- they realize the partner did something that he or she thought I was okay. So I think it's, it's great. You guys are right on with the importance of communication, of really sitting in with your partner and talking about what would you consider cheating and what would be the line. And obviously this is a conversation that can evolve throughout times because we all going to change if we stay long enough in a relationship. And also to the point of monogamous relationship, what's known as monogamous and we we all had heard of people or our parents that they were in a monogamous relationship i don't know long term and this is a conversation i have with my colleague at asac which is the first sex therapist groups that for most people i see it two three different categories one category of people are acting out sexually they just don't tell their partner and there's just not explicit conversation about it and there are the other part group that are kind of like have this agreement and kind of consider non-monogamous and more clear about it. Yeah. So it's like every subcategory has its pros and cons. And obviously I have like couples, I see couples in my practice that they, they are in a monogamous relationship and, mm-hmm. but each checked out out of the relationship emotionally and sexually for years. So, right. yeah. So I don't necessarily see one category being, better than other it's just a matter of being intentional as far as what would work for you absolutely i mean one of the conversations that you have to have i'm something that, that i that you i think you should have is that you know with an open relationship it's what is it when you're why do you need it to be open what is it you don't have in this monogamous relationship that you would get if you open it up mm-hmm. and you know because there is there are joyful reasons and and variation diversity reasons you know there's all sorts of reasons why one person might not fulfill all needs and then there's you know the other things where you know often cheating in a monogamous monogamous relationship to me often seems more of an act of aggression than anything else so you know with an open relationship you kind of discuss like are you going are you opening this relationship up because this relationship doesn't work itself and that's the problem? Or is it because this relationship works great, but there are some other things that I would like to explore and try? Right. No, I think that that is another great point that we have this uh, psychologist that we recorded this episode on and she was telling us about the different reasons that she noticed people opening up the relationship. And one of them is just 
this is not working and mm-hmm. let's open up the relationship, see if it might work. It's just kind of avoiding the emotional uh, component of things that's coming up. Or for some people, as you mentioned, is just like, that's not who, who they are. They, the relationship is healthy, but that they tend to be more comfortable in non-monogamous arrangements. Yeah. And if you have any sort of, if you're on a, you know, a little bit one direction or the other on, on, on the scale, on the spectrum of uh, sexuality, I mean, you know, there, there are plenty of people who are kind of denying a, a, a bisexual existence because they're in a monogamous relationship and like an open relationship kind of allows for some exploration in that area. And, you know, it, it's not, I wouldn't tell anyone to go into it saying that there won't be, there won't be speed bumps and there would, there aren't, you know, moments of jealousy and insecurity and stuff. But I think over the long term, it works for me. I, I think it makes more sense for my personal life. Right. And again, and I'm, I know when the Chris mentioned that that's something that you would be open to talk about, I felt sure. protective of you. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's a hard topic to share with other people. And I'm glad you, you and your partner had this great arrangement that you guys can be open about it. Yeah. I checked with her. I was like, I was like, Hey, uh, babe, if, if I like, when you're not around, I'm talking about it. And she was like, Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, cause I was like, you know, if we're talking about it together and she can, I'm not speaking for her, which I would never do. So, you know, I, I'm careful of that, but I think that, you know, you don't write the book that we wrote and you don't, if you're not a believer that this should be part of conversation, that these are things, you know, we think about all the time, sexuality and all of this stuff. I don't think it is a shameful thing or something that should be hidden. I think it should be discussed. I think, most of the problems that we have come from not discussing these things. Yeah, definitely. And Chris, I have a question for you. You shared with me, you were in a non-monogamous relationship and then yeah. you no longer are in a non-monogamous relationship. Do you feel what the challenge was with the relationship dynamic or you, was it because you wanted to be in more kind of traditional monogamous relationship? I'm kind of curious about that. Maybe I, I'm, I'm a little bit older than Jordan. So maybe it's the, the, the pool of, of partners that I had access to, but uh, it, it just seemed more like the women with whom I had more open relationships with were, it, it was, it felt like it was more of a concession, like they were still looking for, the, it was either a concession to me or they were, they themselves were still looking for, for somebody else. It, I kind of came to that decision uh, when I was single after, after my last long relationship. It was more, it was an open relationship because of my own desires, not because of she wanted to have a a monogamous relationship and ended up going, getting married. But as I had time to sit back and think and think back over my past relationships, it just felt like for me personally, my own experiences, it seemed like what I wanted was not, was not going to be available to me. Like the, the polygamy thing just didn't seem like it was going to work for me, work out for me, but maybe I should have been more patient. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well i guess not polygamy more like yeah. a polyamory or like polyamory uh, yeah yeah. Non- I, see, I don't yeah i don't i i, I don't I, I i just i'm not the only thing that i can speak to like as in depth is comic books so anytime <laughs> i talk about the subject I, I tend to use the wrong words um, no no problem i personally yeah. have this strong reaction when i hear polygamy i was like oh Sitting straight on my chair. Right, but, yeah. uh, no, I, I, I hear you. 
but I mean, I, that was, I mean, before polyamory was more of a, a reaction to the, the, the negative connotations of polygamy, right? I mean, polygamy is still kind of a catch-all, isn't it? Mm -hmm. No? Well, no, I guess like... A I polygamous mean, relationship? Polygamy, when I hear polygamy in kind of research and like in our field, we're, we're thinking about men who are in multiple relations with other women and the uh, women usually are monogamous with uh, them. So I guess uh, like it's a little bit trickier, but okay. I know there are so many terms <laughs> that yeah, I always and that get. includes marriage, right? Polygamy always includes right. marriage. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, uh, yeah, that's the that's reason I was having difficulty talking about the, the gay stuff too, because even though I've been kind of, I mean, I'm fami very familiar with the culture and I have uh, friends that I have long conversations with, I'm still just not, I'm not so into the politics of it that I, that I am fully conscious of using the right terms all the time. And I think it continuously evolving. This is something, yeah. what I do, and I talk about it all, all day. And it's just like, next thing you know, I mean, thank God things are evolving and getting better, but it, it's just hard to keep up. So yeah, yeah. I always appreciate when people let me know, which is I work with younger teens and they're correcting me in my practice. Oh, <laughs> really? Every day, wow. yes. Yeah, I mean that—that's the great like the evolution of that. I, I think is is such a great thing. Like in my decades on this planet, just like the evolution that's happened and the openness and the the different things you can be, I, you know, it is just phenomenal and it, and it's great. Um, you know, I think that there were I, you know I had a few conversations at Comic Con. You know, when you're selling a book called Is Verotica, some people find you as a person they can talk to they kind of know and yes. uh, people would talk about stuff and you know there were all sorts of different responses but some people were talked about the fact that like their sexual tastes or whatever were kind of caused loneliness and so any sort of like fun conversation about these subject matters was a really welcome thing because they felt included and fun you know they didn't want their sexual proclivities to be whispered about yeah. or be like looked at as an interesting curiosity like they were very excited to be like yeah it is that is a fun thing to joke about of course we joke about it i think people mistake this idea that uh, if you engage in bondage or, or something like that that it's this dark and seedy like kind of like cruel room and that there's no like it's not filled with like anything we do in life we tend to laugh about afterwards and enjoy and like share and have inside jokes about it and stuff like that and, and most of this stuff is exactly the same way. I think people would be surprised to see, you know, people who haven't dipped their toe in any of this are surprised to see that, no, these are absolutely fully functional, wonderful people who this is their kink and they do it with respect and consent and they enjoy it. And afterwards with their partner, they have dinner and binge watch a show on Netflix. You know, it's mm -hmm. still part of your life. That is so true. And it's interesting that at least in my practice, I see that people kind of feel this extreme shame about the mm. things they like in bedroom. And they all always, like most of the time, people think the thing they like is kind of odd. And it's just they're, they're only they're only people, I mean, at least right now with the internet, mm -hmm. you can find communities and stuff. But it's very common. Again, it's just a matter of people are not talking about it, obviously, but they think that we think it's odd and non-common is oftentimes more common than we think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would challenge anyone who had a question this. I like if people were open about it, I think if you did like a, a 
if you did a poll, the majority of safe words are kind of amusing. Um, (laughs) uh, When you're picking your safe word with your partner, people tend to pick, you know, the term that's funny to them, like most famously on like How I Met Your Mother, it was flugelhorn. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of fun to these things because if done in a warm and consensual fashion, even if to you it doesn't make sense or it seems odd or any of that, it is fun to the people who are participating. It is an enjoyable thing. So there is that tone of it. I think it's passed over in, you know, a lot of what you see online or in movies and stuff that represents anything somewhat off-center as tortured and cruel, and that's just not the case. Well, I certainly appreciate you guys' openness and kind of opening the door to kind of things that are lesser known or people might feel stigmatized by the book that you guys have. So if our listeners want to purchase the book, what are some of the places that they can find it? Well, it's very simple. E is for erotica.com. <laughs> great, great. It's so I think, online. yes, I think that is, that is a great way to purchase a book. I highly recommend that. And before we close, do you guys have anything else that you want to share with us? I'll let you start, uh, Chris. I'll put you right well, on the spot. <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah, I'd like to talk to you about my, uh, my former marriage and my, my lesbian ex-wife, but like to go into depth in, in all of our uh, sexual adventures. But um, since we're near the end here, I guess I'll have to wait for next time. First, catch me at a convention, have a personal conversation. We'll be at the uh, AVN Entertainment Expo in uh, January. Awesome. Awesome. So it's, it's an invitation for me and all of our uh, 20,000 listeners. <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. Stop on by. Yeah, swing on by. Yeah, uh, I would just say, you know, I, I hope... I would love for people to buy the book and, and enjoy that. And if, if, you know, one of the reasons why we did this book was to help start those conversations and uh, to have had a nice long one with you has been great. And if anyone was listening in and enjoyed that too, that's great as well. And so, um, you know, thanks so much for having us. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. And uh, I really am a big fan of what you're doing because it's a, I do think it's an important thing. These are subject matters that are really important to all of us. and just talking about it takes away a lot of the stigma. And I know for me personally, I spent a lot of years of my life in uh, Orange County, which there's a lot of great things about Orange County, but it was not a very open community for discussion of these things. And when those stigmas started being chipped away and I uh, found that there was a world out there where I fit that people accepted me, that was fun and joyful. And uh, so I encourage everyone to, if not through ears for erotica or your podcast, but to find a way to find that thing, destigmatize it and try it out. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Stay safe. (laughs) Always stay safe. Great, great. All great recommendation. And thank you so much for your kind words. And I'm excited to hear about your future works in near future. And thank you guys. Thank Thank you you so much. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jordan and Chris. I loved having a conversation with them and appreciated their honesty and openness about sharing the experiences that they had with consensual non-monogamy. You know, it feels to me that it's, it can be a little bit more tricky than trickier than swinging uh, this kinds of relationship since 
with swinging, usually it's more limited to sexual activity. I can imagine with uh, non-monogamous relationships, it's easier to develop feeling. It's going to be another level of interaction. Obviously, there's this world of different variety of non-monogamous relationships. But I think if you're doing this, you got to have excellent communication skills and talk about your boundaries if you want to make sure that you're not getting, you don't, uh, you're protecting yourself against getting hurt. But it's just lovely to see how people living different lifestyles and how it's working for them. At the end, I wanted to remind you guys that you can always record your questions. So if you have a sex-related question, you can record it at sexologypodcast.com or you can email it to me at drmoali at sexologypodcast.com. I love you guys and we're going to chat next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.